Now, in week one, we talked about hearing the voice of God. In week two, we talked about receiving and extending forgiveness. And then last week, we talked, we talked about strengthening our faith and the importance of strengthening our faith. You know, some people, they, you know, they just, they just, uh, they believe in God, but they don't really dig deep. They don't really pay a lot of attention to their spiritual uh, health. And so whenever they go through a great trial and tribulation, man, it just sets them into the, into the pits. And so I think it's good that we constantly keep our spiritual life healthy and strong, keep our faith strong, because it's inevitable that we're going to go through some stuff. And so when we go through stuff, if our, if our faith is strong, we, it's just going to be like a speed bump. We're just going to get over it and get over to the other side. Amen? And so I just want to encourage you, if you weren't here and you're interested, you can receive or listen to these messages on our, on our website. But today we're going to talk about another topic that you wanted to hear a sermon on, which is, how can I know God's will for my life? Which is really one of the greatest questions that somebody could ask. Somebody said, you know, life, success in life is really knowing the will of God and getting right in the middle of it. Whenever you do the will of God, your life is going to be successful. It doesn't matter where you are, where you've been. You're going to be successful. Is that right? Now, uh, there are two reasons that desiring the will of God is so important. Number one, Jesus had a special affinity for those who did the will of God. The Bible says in Mark 3, 31, Then Jesus' mother and brothers came to see him, and they stood outside and sent word for him to come out and talk with them. There was a crowd sitting around Jesus, and someone said, Your mother and your brothers are outside asking for you. And Jesus replied, Okay, excuse me, I got to go talk to him. I'm going to be right back. No, Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Then he looked at those around him and said, Look, these are my mother and brothers. Anyone who does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. What was Jesus saying? Jesus was saying, as you can see from this passage, that he's comparing anyone who does the will of God to family, to people that are close to his heart. And he compares them, the people that do the will of God, to his brothers, his sister, his mother. And so the reason why doing the will of God is so important, Jesus really likes that. Amen. How many of you know that's enough reason right there? But then another good reason is, Doing God's will puts you on the pathway of God's blessing. And, and the scripture says in Hebrews 10, 36, you need to persevere so, so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You know, persevering and doing the will of God will allow you to get on the pathway of blessing and receive God's promises. You know, God's promises are not just automatic. God promised it so everybody enjoys it. No, whenever you get in the center of God's will, that's when you really experience the promises of God's will, God's word. Is that right, saints of God? Now, perseverance in doing the will of God allows you to receive the promised blessings of God. But now, here's the problem when it comes to doing the will of God. Here's the problem. There are many sincere Christians 
um, who are genuinely interested in doing God's will. I mean, if you ask them, hey, do you want to do God's will? They will say yes. They want to do God's will. They want to know which career path to take. They want to know whether they should marry or stay single, whether they should walk away from that relationship or stay in it. They want to know if they should go to school or whether they should move or stay put where they are. They want to know what ministry God has for them. You know what? They are really genuinely interested in getting on God's path in knowing and following God's will for their life. The problem is, is that they struggle with figuring out exactly what is God's will. They want God's will. They just wonder, what is God's will? So for the rest of our time, we're going to talk about and hopefully help somebody with getting better at knowing God's will and doing God's will. Amen? So let's talk about it. Let's begin by asking a most basic question. What's God's will? What is that anyway? Is it something that's just uh, that's just out there somewhere that, uh, you know, good luck if you find it? Or is it something that um, that we can wrap our brain around, wrap our hands around, wrap our hearts around, and really find out? God's will is simply his desires, purposes, and plans for man. That's God's will. And so, you know, doing God's will is living your life in a way that it fulfills God's desires, God's purposes, and God's plans for your life. So when we talk about doing the will of God, to live in the will of God is to do what God wants me to do with my life. That's basically it, right? I mean, no need to really get it too complicated when we say, man, I want to do God's will. What we're really saying is, God, I want to do what you want me to do. How many of you are interested in that? I may be interested in doing what God wants us to do. I, I know you do. But now listen, let's talk about it. Two important truths concerning God's will. First truth is this. God's will can be separated in two different parts. In other words, first there is the general will of God. Now the general will of God is this. It's the sovereign will of God for all people all over the world. It's it's the general will of God, how many of you know, that everybody become a Christian and get to go to heaven? That's the general will of God. Second Peter 3, 9 says, The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but he's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but that how many saints? All should come to repentance. So listen, you want to know what God's will is for you? God's will is that you go to heaven. How many of you think that's a good thing? So part of the general will of God is for everyone on the planet to be saved and to go to heaven. Another example of God's general will is, uh, how many of you know it's God's general will that we all learn to love God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and we also learn to love each other? That's God's will, isn't it? The Bible says in Matthew twenty-two thirty-seven, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment, verse 39. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. Now, these two commandments that we've just read are not just for a select few. Okay, Brandon, the will of God for you is to love God with all your heart, but not, not you, Rob. That's not God's will for you. How many of you know that the general will of God is that we all fall in love with Jesus? And we all learn how to love each other. 
That's, you want to know what the will of God is? Let's start right there. Be saved. Learn to love God with all your heart, money, will, and then love people around you. Amen. Come on. How many of you know we got enough right there to work for the rest of our life? Amen. Loving God and loving people is the general will of God. So God has a general will, a desire, a purpose, and a plan, which involves all people all over the world. Now, part of the will of God is the same for all people. God's will for me and God's will for you and God's will for you is the same. Part of God's will, the general will of God, is the same for all people. And we discover God's general will for our lives primarily through learning the written or the revealed word of God. That's how we find out the general will of God. You know, what we typically are interested in is the mysteries, what we don't know about. But let's start with the general will of God. So the question, how can you find out what the general will of God is for your life? You study and learn what the Bible teaches. And you're going to get closer to what God's will is for your life. Because the better you know the Bible, the better you can discern and walk in the general will of God. Amen? So that's a story for all of us. But then the second part of the will of God is the specific will of God. Now, the specific will of God is the desire, purpose, and plan of God for each of us individually. Now, Hebrews 10.36 says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised you. Now listen, notice what it says. When you have done the will of God. So God not only has a general will, but he has a specific will for each of us individually. Jeremiah 29, 11 says this, for I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. The plans are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you a future and a hope. How many of you know that's good news right there? So God has a specific will for each of us individually. So part of God's will for our lives will be totally different than anybody else. It's not going to be exactly the same. And sometimes we get hung up thinking, well, because this is the will of God for me, then it must be the will of God for you. And that's wrong. God has a general will for everybody, but he has a specific will for individuals. And we can't try to force our will on other people. And we can't, we can't be worried about doing what other people are doing and, and, and take it as a burden for us that we need to be doing it. Amen? As we discover God's specific will for our lives, uh, we will do that primarily through a growing relationship with Christ. How do you know what God's will is for you specifically? The closer you get to the Lord, the better you will know the specific will of God for your life. You know, I I think of it like this. It's like he wrote his plan for you on a tablet and he's holding it in his hand. And the only way you're going to really know it is until you get close enough where you can peek over there on that tablet and see it. Amen. And so if you stay at a distance from the Lord, you're going to be wondering, man, I wonder what's on that tablet. I wonder what he's got planned for me. And you can live your whole life wondering what God has planned for your life. But as you draw closer, he's going to start letting you see what it is he has for you. Amen? Isn't that exciting? How many of you know the Christian life is the best journey you could ever get on in the world? Amen? You know, listen, some people have to jump off of cliffs to get a rush. You know, they got to go through fast cars. You know, they got to do something crazy to get an adrenaline rush. I'm telling you, just serve God with all your heart. It'll be a rush like you've never had in your life. Amen? 
Come on, how many of you know it's exciting to serve God? Amen? A second truth to know God, uh, to know concerning God's will is this, is not only is there's two parts, the realization of there are two different places within the specific will of God that you and I can live in. There's two different places within the specific will of God. First of all, there's the perfect will of God, which is God's exact intentional will for our lives. Romans 12, 2 says this, don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. The perfect will of God is when you're living completely in the center of His purpose and His plan for your life. And so the perfect will of God is when you're living and doing exactly what God intended for you to do with your life at this time and at this moment. How many of you want to be in the perfect will of God? The perfect will of God is reached only as a result, really, I believe, of years of yielding your will and surrendering your heart to God. You don't get to the, you don't get to the perfect will of God by just going to church. You learn how to get there better, but it won't just happen by just reading your Bible. You gotta yield your will. You gotta surrender your heart. Amen? You know, listen, you don't get there. You know, listen, a, a stubborn mule don't get in the center of God's will. You know, you know, come on, come on. Come on, I got a purpose, I got a plan for you. I tell you who gets in the center of God's will, God's will, is those that say, you ain't got to pull on me, I'm willing. Where do you want to go, what do you want to do? I want to be there, amen? So the perfect will of God is the sweet spot of life. The closer we get to the perfect will of God, the sweeter life becomes. Our goal should be to be in the perfect will of God. But you know, Right alongside of the perfect will of God is the permissible will of God. The permissible will of God means that it's the second or third best. It's not exactly what God intended, but he allows us to go there. The permissive, the permissive will of God is where God allows a permit or permits us to live even though it's not his best for our lives. The permissive will of God is always the result of our stubbornness and our rebellion and our obstinate heart. That's why we end up in the permissive will of God and not the perfect will of God. Do you remember when Israel was going from, you know, the Egypt into the promised land? And along the way, God says, look, I'm going to provide food for you. I'm going to provide manna for you. Don't worry about it. You don't have to plant anything. You don't have to raise anything. I'm going to provide manna for you every day. It's going to be there. You just go out there, get enough for the day, eat, and it's going to be all right. And I'm going to provide for you till you get to the promised land. So the children of Israel were cool with that, right? No, it didn't take long. Hey, listen, God, I am tired of eating flat bread. I mean, come on. Can't you even give us leaven bread? I mean, come on, some sweet dough pie or something. We don't want this old flat bread anymore. And so they began murmuring and they began complaining and they demanded, Lord, we want some meat to eat. We're tired of this bread, only bread. And so God permitted them to have quail to eat. You remember that story? He said, all right, you want some meat? Here you go. But the meat wasn't his perfect will. The Bible says in Numbers eleven eighteen. 
Say to the people, consecrate yourselves for tomorrow. You shall eat meat, for you have wept in the ears of the Lord, saying, Oh, that someone would give us meat to eat. For we were well off in Egypt. Therefore, the Lord will give you meat, and you shall eat. Now, notice here, they had this murmuring, complaining attitude. They weren't satisfied with what God was giving them. They wanted something different. Verse 19, he said, you shall eat not one day, not two days, nor five days, nor 10 days, nor 20 days, but a whole month until it comes out of your nostrils and becomes loathsome to you because you have rejected the Lord who is among you and have wept before him saying, why did we ever leave Egypt? How many of you know anything is good, but if you get enough of it, you don't want it anymore. Amen. And so they like, first day they got quail, they thought, oh man, this is, oh man, this is great, man. Oh, the quail, praise the Lord. The next day, oh, this is good. Not quite as good as yesterday. A week later, oh man, this quail. I mean, I wonder if they got some chicken around here. And then listen, a month later, they're like, oh, I got quail coming out of my nostrils. I hate quail. So God's perfect will for Israel was for them to eat only manna while they were journeying in the wilderness, right? But because of their discontentment and murmuring, God permitted or allowed them to have quail. But how many of you know there was a price they had to pay for being in the permissive will and not in the perfect will of God? The Bible says in Psalm 106 and 13, they soon forgot his works. They did not wait for his counsel. But they lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tested God in the desert. And he gave them their request. They got meat. But he sent leanness in their souls. Wow. Do you catch that? They sent leanness in their soul. The message says it like this. He gave them exactly what they asked for. But along with it, they got an empty heart. Wow. I wonder if there's any Christians living in America today that have an empty heart because in their, in their attitude of murmuring and complaining and refusing to do what God wanted them to do, they end up where they're not supposed to be and they got leanness in their soul. Listen, what we need to remember is this. Sometimes God will allow us to have things or to do things even if he knows it's not the best thing for us. He will allow it But there's always a price to pay for being in the permissive will of God instead of the perfect will of God. Are y'all hearing me out there? Are y'all tracking along with me? Now, sometimes God's going to ask us to do something that it won't make sense to us. We won't understand it. What we need to realize is that God is smarter than us. And he's never going to ask us to do something, go somewhere. He's never going to require anything of us because he's got the intent of his heart is to hurt us, harm us, or do us, do us wrong. It's always God's intention to help us. Don't you agree with that? So the question is, why are we spending so much time talking about the different aspects of the will of God? Well, because of this, I believe, The more I know the general will of God, the closer I'll get to the specific will of God. And the closer I get to the specific will of God, the more I'll enjoy the blessings of eventually being in the perfect will of God. 
You know, I see it kind of like concentric circles. You know, the first thing we try to do is whenever we're not saved, we're not even on the, on the screen. But whenever we get saved and we get right with God, we get into the general will of God. Praise the Lord for that. We're not on the, we're not in the bullseye, the perfect will of God, but at least we're on the screen. Amen. And then as we get in the general will of God and we start learning more about God, what happens is we learn, we begin to learn the specific will of God. And then once we learn the specific will of God, it's like those concentric circles. We get a little bit closer to the bullseye. Now we're in the specific will of God. And if we stay in the specific will of God and keep working at following and tracking and knowing and learning and doing the will of God, eventually we're going to be right in the sweet spot, the perfect will of God. Amen? Now let me just encourage you a little bit. You don't get there overnight in the perfect will of God. You know, you know, I think we're like, okay, here's the, here's the, well, let me get in the middle. We're, we're in the perfect will of God today. We're out of the perfect will tomorrow. Or we might even say like this, we're in the perfect will of God when we wake up. And then as soon as we talk to our spouse, we're in the permissible will of God. Amen. And then as soon as we get to work, we're not even on the screen anymore. We fell off the map. Amen. So what we want to do is we want to learn how to live in the bullseye, the perfect will of God. Amen. So here's the truth we must never get. We must never forget. God's fullest blessing comes not in the permissive will of God, but in the perfect will of God. Remember, Abraham had Ishmael. That was his permissible will, but not his perfect will. We want his perfect will. We want the fruit of his blessing, not the fruit of our flesh. A perfect example of walking in the, in the permissive will of God is Jonah. Remember that guy? God said, Jonah, I need you to do something for me. You're my man. I need you to get on this boat, and I need you to go to Nineveh. There's some wicked people over there, and if you don't go preach to them, they're all going to perish. I want to save that whole people. I need you to go over there and preach the gospel. So what did Jonah do? He kind of obeyed. He got on a ship. And God didn't like, you know, keep the ship tied up. He let the ship go. But the ship didn't go to Nineveh. Where did it go? It went to Tarshish, right? Remember what happened to Jonah? Halfway between the, the harbor and Tarshish? Somebody blew on the sea and they got in some storm and, and everybody on the ship thought they were going to lose their life, but they figured out he was the culprit. And, and he helped him. He said, man, the reason why you're in this storm is I am not doing the perfect will of God. And so he said, you, you better throw me off of here, right? Whale swallowed him up, spit him on the shore. And then all of a sudden, God gave him a second chance. And said, all right, are you ready to do this thing now? Are you ready to go to Nineveh? And he was like, no, I don't like those people. I don't want them to be saved. Man, God, did you know who you were picking there? I mean, this dude don't even have compassion for people. And God said, hey, I'm God of second chances. Just repent and you can get right back in the perfect will of God. You know, why live our lives in the ship? 
on the storm in the permissive will of God when we could be in the perfect will of God. And I think we would be like sailing, like enjoying the cruise, cruise lining. Amen. So Jonah's an example of, man, it's always better to seek to do the perfect will of God. So then the question is, how can we walk in the perfect will of God? I mean, how do we get better at it at least? How, how, how can we stay at least a whole day right here? Like even after we get up and talk to our spouse, we stay right here. You know, even after we go through a few days at work and we experience what we normally do at work and still be right here. How do you do that? Let's talk about that. How can I walk in the perfect will of God? In other words, how can I know for sure what career path to take? How can I know who to marry? How can I know whether to marry or stay single? How can I know whether to go to school or not go to school? Whether I should be involved in this ministry or that ministry? How can we learn the perfect will of God? How can we better walk in the path God has planned and designed for us to walk? How can we get there? Let me just give you five uh, steps to walking in the perfect will of God. Some practical things. Number one, strive to stay in the place of faith. Strive to stay in the place of faith. And this is what I mean. 2 Corinthians 13.5 says, Examine yourself to see if you're in the faith, if your faith is genuine. Excuse me. Test yourselves. Surely you know that Jesus Christ is among you. If not, you have failed the test of genuine faith. So he says, test yourself to see if you're in genuine faith. And so he's talking not to heathen. He's talking to the Corinthian church. He's talking to believers here. And he says, test or examine yourself to see if you're in the faith. And so the opposite of faith is fear, right? And sometimes it's fear that keeps us from walking in the perfect will of God. You know, fear of failure. I'm not going to do that. What if I fail? I'm not going to do that because somebody might not accept me. Fear of rejection. The fear of man. And the fear of being misunderstood. And so the fear operates in our lives. And it it has a way of keeping us out of the perfect will of God. These fears will keep you from walking in the center or the sweet spot of God. But when you have genuine faith, genuine faith and trust in God, what it does is it helps you to overcome the fear that comes against you to try to keep you out of the center of God's will. You ever been there? Proverbs 3, 5 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. So before you can walk in the will of God, you have to develop your faith and trust in God. Because inevitably, the perfect will of God will require you to do things that in the natural doesn't make sense. To stay in the will of God will require you to do something that in your flesh totally is opposed to what you would want to do. And you have to take a step off the cliff, so to speak, and trust that God is going to be there after you step out. Amen? you got to have faith to, to walk in the will of God. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. Seek His will. Trust God. Whenever... 
You know, I was thinking about this and how many times like the major decisions that I've made that have been like, I found out after I made them that were like, okay, this is the will of God. This is the will of God for me. Like whenever I was working in the all field and the Lord was, was dealing with my heart to go in the ministry. Well, I didn't, I was afraid to go in the ministry. I, I didn't want to do that. I mean, it's like, man, what if I fail? What, what if it doesn't work out? And I'm telling everybody I'm quitting the all field because I'm going in the ministry, but I can't land a job. And so fear really works on you. And I remember at that point, it's just like, man, fear almost kept me in the boat. But wow, I'm so glad that somewhere along the way, God strengthened my faith. And I got to the point to saying, you know what? If I stay here, I die. So I'd rather get out of this boat and drown if I have to, but I'm going to trust God. But man, if I hadn't overcome the fear, I would have never gotten out of the oil field and I would still be a whole hardened oil field hand somewhere out there, you know, barking. You know, those of you that work in the oil field, that's just kind of how it normally goes, right? You know, I was thinking about this. When Brother Francis said, hey, I'm ready to retire. I want you to take over the church. Take over the church? You've got to be kidding me. You know, he told that story about he saw, you know, he was in a Volkswagen and an 18-wheeler was going to run over him. And, and he said he was the Volkswagen and I was the 18-wheeler. I was like, oh, man, no, no, you misinterpreted. Didn't they have a moped behind the 18-wheeler? I was the moped behind the 18-wheeler. No, no, it's somebody else. I'm telling you it's somebody else. It is not me. But I'm telling you, listen, there's no doubt in my mind that God's perfect will for me was to, number one, get out of the all field and go in the ministry. But number two, to take over this church. There's no doubt in my mind. But, man, I can't tell you how close It came to not getting in the perfect will of God. Why? Fear. Fear. Now, I'm telling you my story, but some of you sitting in the pew right now, God is wanting you to either start doing something that you are afraid to start doing, or he's wanting you to stop doing something that you are afraid to stop doing. And the only way you're going to get in the perfect will of God is to strengthen your faith, overcome your fear, and do what God tells you to do, and then you're going to get on the bullseye. Amen. Come on, are y'all with me out there? Amen. A practical way to apply this principle is this. Before making any serious decisions, ask yourself this question. Is this decision being motivated by faith, or is it being motivated by fear? Step number two to walking in the perfect will of God is this. Allow the word of God to guide you. This is what Romans 12, 2 says. Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by renewing your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Finding God's perfect will requires our minds to be transformed or renewed by the truth of God's word. Why? Because many times it's our stinking thinking. It's our wrong thinking patterns that keep us from being willing to take the steps we need to to take to get in the perfect will of God. Right? 
And so we need to get our mind renewed. Psalm 119, 105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. The word of God is like, like clues to treasure, to the treasure chest of God's will. It's like it's clues. It gives you a clue here, a clue there. And you just, you, you, uh, you change your course when you get that clue. And, and you start changing the tra- trajectory of your life because you get that clue. And then you get another clue. And see, listen, the reality is it's very difficult to live all the time in the perfect will of God. And so sometimes we're here a moment and we step out and it's the word of God that gives us a clue. You just got out of the center. You need to get back in the center and the the word will give us a clue that we just got off and we get back on. And then we get back in the sweet spot. So you have to get the word of God in you. Allow the word of God to guide you. And, And it's not just knowing the word of God, it's submitting to the word of God. It's being willing to obey the word of God. Because see, listen, the reality is a lot of us, we know the word of God. We know way more than our level of obedience. We know so much, but we're not obeying what we really know. And so we just need to start obeying what we already know. Because it'll get us in the will of God. But here's, here's the way it works. God tells us something in his word and we say, yeah, but I'm not sure that. I think maybe the, the, the real translation of that, or that's an Old Testament principle. That's not New Testament. We'll do all this, this, you know, this, this, uh, this, this thinking in our brain saying, giving us a, a thousand excuses why we don't have to do what God's word says. And here's the perfect will of God and we're right over here. I'll allow you to live there, but you're not going to enjoy the best that I have for you until you're willing to align your brain up with the Word of God and agree with the Word of God, and then you could get smack dab in the will of God again. Y'all agree with that? So a practical way to apply this principle is this. Before making any serious decisions, ask yourself this question. Does the Bible say anything related to this decision? Or does the Bible say anything related to what I'm dealing with right now. If you could find what the Bible has to say about it and do what the Bible says about it, it'll bring you right in the will of God. How many of you know the Word of God is the will of God? The Word of God is the perfect will of God. Amen? Number three, to walk in the perfect will of God, you have to seek to model your life after the nature and character of Jesus. The perfect will of God will never cause you to violate the nature and character of Jesus. How many of you know that's true? In, in John 13, 15, I've set you an example that you should do as I've done for you. So if you want to know what God's perfect will is for your life, study the life of Jesus in the Gospels. And then imitate his behavior and his character, and you'll get closer to the perfect will of God. Listen, if somebody comes to me and tells me, you know, the Lord told me my employer is not doing me right. They're not, they not paying me like I deserve. And so the Lord told me to just lie about the hours that I'm working and to just add more hours to my time sheet because he said I deserve more pay than my employer has given me. How many of you would say, that's the will of God, my brother? If somebody comes up to me and says, the Lord told me that, that... Because I love that girl and she loves me, that I don't have to worry about waiting to get married. That it's about love. And I just need to go ahead and jump in that relationship right now. 
Well, see, that's easy to discern. Because what does the nature and character of Jesus say? See, so any time we think we heard from the will of God, or we think that this is the will of God, and it puts us outside of the nature and the character and behavior that Jesus has modeled for us, we know that's not the will of God. It's never the will of God. Never. I don't care if it don't line up and look like Jesus. It's not him. It's another person. Amen? And so we need to line up with our, with our model. Amen? A practical way to apply this principle is before taking any step or making any decision, ask yourself this question. Is this something Jesus would do? Is this, a, is this a way Jesus would behave? Because if it's not what he would do or the way that he would behave, how many of you know he's our example? He's our example. He's our model. You know, we learn better by models. We learn better by watching somebody do it. You know, that's why, you know, whenever they teach you, you know, in college, they teach you a lot of, you know, the practicum. But then they say, let's, let's, get in the, let's get in the laboratory. I want you to see how it's done. And as we read the Bible, we see Jesus. And it helps us to know. Listen, you know, if, if we think that we were praying and God said to go knock somebody out, read the life of Jesus and you see if you see Jesus knocking somebody out. And if you don't see him knocking somebody out, then just dismiss that thought. That There, my friend, is the devil. Amen? Come on. I'm making fun. I'm making it light. But listen, it's amazing. It's amazing how the enemy will, will cause us to believe stuff and buy into stuff. And amen, I tell you what, he's not just satisfied with getting us over here in the permissible will of God and out of the specific will of God. He wants us to get off of the map. He wants us to get totally off the map. That's his goal. But I tell you how he gets you there, one step at a time. One step at a time. The will of God, knowing the will of God. Walking in the perfect will of God. Seek to model your life after the nature and character of Jesus. And I promise you, that'll be the perfect will of God. The fourth step to walking in the perfect will of God is consider seeking godly advice. You know, you don't always need to get advice for every decision you make. But man, you make wiser decisions if you learn to get advice from people. There was no amens there. I don't, I don't, I'm not sure I said it clear, clearly. How many of you know you make better decisions if you get advice? But listen, whenever you think about it, I don't want advice. I want to do what I want to do. Isn't that true? Say, yeah, that's right, Todd. You are right, you heathen. Come on, help me preach to myself here. But how many of you know that it's better to get advice? than it is to make wrong decisions. Proverbs 15.22 says, Plans fail for lack of counsel, but with many advisors they succeed. Remember that time Moses had a major breakthrough because of the counsel his father-in-law Jethro gave him? Moses was... Exodus 18 says, Moses got up early in the morning and people started knocking on his door or knocking on the tent and saying... I need some counsel. And so he said, okay, come on, come on, sit down. What's going on? Ah, uh, well, man, I wouldn't do that. I would do this. Okay, see you later. Was it somebody else? Okay. 
And the, and the scripture tells us he stayed from, from sunup to sundown counseling people. And his father-in-law, who's, you know, I mean, he wasn't, he wasn't the man of God chosen to lead the children of Israel, but he wasn't stupid either. And so the father-in-law, Jethro, looked and he observed, and he said, Moses, what are you doing? I'm the man of God. I mean, I got, they need me to help them. And he said, Moses, what you're doing? That ain't good for you. And it ain't good for these people. Y'all both can wear out. Y'all both going to die from all this. Let me read some of it. Is that all right? Exodus 18, 17. Moses' father-in-law replied, what are you doing? What are you doing is not good. You and these people who come to you will only wear yourselves out. The work is too heavy for you. You cannot handle it alone. Listen now to me and I will give you some advice. And may God be with you. You must be the people's representative before God and bring their disputes to him. Teach them the decrees and laws and show them the way to live and the duties they are to perform. But select capable men from all the people, men who fear God, trustworthy men who hate dishonest gain, and appoint them as officials over thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. In other words, he said, Moses, delegate some of this stuff. You know what happened that day? Moses was spared from ministry burnout. You know what happened that day? Moses went from the permissible will of God to the perfect will of God. Why? Because he was willing to listen to some counsel. He was listening to somebody who was a little bit wiser in this area than he was. And he was able to have a breakthrough. So how do you apply this principle? Well, first of all, before making any decisions, considering get wise godly advice about those decisions. Amen? Something to consider is to never make a major decision without getting wise godly advice. You know, you know what I found? You know when I don't want to get advice? It's when I don't want to hear what they say. Because I want to do what I want to do. And that's the time that I need advice the most. That's when I need it the most. Is whenever I don't want to get advice. I want to do what I want to do. And how many, how many wrong decisions have we made in our life If we had just simply got some advice from somebody else, we'd have made a totally different decision and spared us leanness in our soul. Amen? And finally, the fifth step to walking in the perfect will of God is how about pray for His perfect will? How many of you think, now that's an ingenious idea right there. Pray for the perfect will of God. You know, there is... Two parts to the will of God. There's the written will of God, and then there's the unwritten will of God. The revealed will of God and the unrevealed will of God. You know, the, the written will of God, you know, we can f- pretty much figure that out. But, you know, it's, it's those things that, well, it's not so clear. I mean, there's not a chapter and a verse to tell me who I should marry. Right? Oh, I just found it. Tanya Miller. But you know, there's, look, I mean, if when you got to choose a career path, you're not going to find, be a plumber, be an electrician, go to nursing school. So some of the stuff is not so clear, right? And so what we need to know is, God, what is your will? What, what do you want me to do? You know, it's, it's the unwritten will of God that we normally struggle with. It's the, it's the unwritten will of God that's the hardest to figure out. 
It's not so easy. And I think God designs it that way. He's never going to give us the whole picture. He's never going to show us everything he wrote down on the tablet. Why? Because then we don't have to trust him anymore. And whenever he shows us, we're going to miss timing. We're going to do it the wrong way. I mean, we're going to blow ourselves up. You know, it's just like, you know, no, you are not mature for the get the whole picture. Because you're going to self-destruct. Let me just give you this little bit right here. And whenever you can handle that, then we'll talk about some more right there. Right? And so it's that, it's that, that unfigured out part that we really struggle with. How do you stay in the perfect will of God when you don't know what he wants you to do? Well, you continually pray for his perfect will in your life. You know, James says, you know, don't say today we're going to do this or do that or, you know, go here or go there. He says you should say, if the Lord wills, we're going to do this, go there. I mean, have you ever talked to somebody and say, Lord willing, I'm going to. Lord willing, I'm going to. You know, they've learned that, you know, I can make all these plans I want. But unless God helps me, man makes his plans and God orders our steps. Right? I mean, you could plant fields and have all kind of crop to put in the barns. And, and then the Lord requires your soul. He says, what does a man gain? He's gained the whole world and lost his own soul. So how do you stay in the perfect will of God when you don't know what it is? You pray. Jesus said this in, in Matthew 6, 9. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You know, that's not just like this thing to memorize, this phrase to memorize. It's a principle. Jesus taught us we should pray every day. For the will of God to be done in our life. Why? Because every day we're going to struggle with our own will. Every day the main culprit of not being in the perfect will of God is self-will. Is our stubborn self-will. I don't want to go that way. I don't want to do that. I don't want to act like that. I don't want to behave that way. Our will does not want to submit to the will of God. So he says, this is what you should do. Pray every day. And while you pray, think about it. Before you have to make that decision, make a decision now that I am wanting the will of God more than I want my own will. God, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. And so when we get down the road and we got to make a decision in that day, we say, wait a minute. Is this my will or God's will? And more than likely, God is going to remind us of the prayer we prayed. And he's going to say, wrong will. This is your will, not my will. Just let it go by. Just let it pass by. Stay in my will. So Jesus taught us to train our will every day. Thy kingdom come. Your plan, your design, your desire, let it be done on earth as you desire it to be done in heaven. Prayer is how we receive the power to overcome our own will. Prayer is how we get the strength to make the hard decisions. It's what happened with Jesus. Remember when Jesus was in the, in the thick of, of struggling to make the right decision to do the will of God. Whenever the rubber met the road and, and he realized, okay, it's the cross now. Do I, do I do it? Do I don't do it? And he's struggling. He's in the garden and he's struggling. He's praying. Lord, if this cup can pass me, let it pass. 
But I'll tell you what I want more than this cup passing is, Lord, not my will. Your will be done. He settled it. He settled. He settled the decision in the in the garden through prayer. Man. Boy, it's those tough decisions that keep us from the perfect will of God. And whenever we can wrestle our our self-will down through prayer and get it to submit to the authority of God and get it to submit to the will of God, oh, my Lord, then the Lord can say, oh, my goodness, I have, I have a, a great plan and an agenda that I can carry out in your life. You know, the children of Israel, whenever they left Egypt and they went to the promised land, it was a short journey. They could have got there really quickly. But the Lord took them on this long road, this long route. And the reason he did that, because I think he didn't want them to turn around and go back to Egypt. And whenever they started having problems, if they'd have been too close to Egypt, he went back. And plus, he needed to take care of some stuff in the process. But you know, listen, sometimes God took us out of Egypt and he's got the promised land for us. But he just needs to get us to cooperate with him, to let him guide us. And then we'll get in the perfect will of God. So a practical way to apply this principle is this. Make a habit to pray every day. God, I really don't want my way. I really want your way. Come on, how many of you think that's a safe prayer to pray? I don't really want my way. I really want your way. The first step to getting in the general will of God is to get right with God. And then as you get right with God and you learn the general will of God, it'll get you into the specific will of God. And as you learn to surrender and yield to the specific will of God, Eventually, you'll get into the perfect will of God. And you live in the perfect will of God. It's not that you can't hit the perfect will of God as soon as you get saved. But, man, it takes training, doesn't it? It takes training to stay right under the spigot of his blessing and favor. And God is interested in us and he wants to bless us. So the best thing we can do is just be, just be cooperative with him. Amen? Come on, how many of you want the will of God? True success is knowing the will of God and living right in the center of it. Amen. Would you stand with me and let's close in prayer? You know, what I was thinking through prayer, you know what happens is that when Jesus went to the cross, he didn't make a big fuss. He didn't fight with the soldiers and all that. Why? Because he had already already surrendered to the will of God. And you know what happens whenever we're in, Surrender to the will of God. We have peace in our life. Man, it's good to have peace in your life, isn't it? Man, there's no, you know, you know when you're getting out of the will of God, whenever you lose peace. You know, whenever you start fussing on Ambassador Caffrey, you just know you got out of the will of God. Right? Amen? Follow that peace. Amen? Peace comes whenever we surrender in prayer. Come on, how many of you right now want the will of God? Maybe you got a decision to make. Maybe you got, maybe you, you really right where at, at the place where you just, you want to know what God has for you. You know, two good questions I, I heard somebody say to ask about the will of God. Lord, is there anything I need to stop doing? 
that I'm presently doing? Is there anything I'm doing right now that I need to stop doing? And then another question to ask is, is there anything I need to start doing that I'm not doing? You know, what do I need to change in my life? That, that you, what kind of changes you want to make in my life? If we will just be willing to let God just speak to us and show us, whether it's through counsel, whether it's through the word, whether it's through prayer, God will help us to live in the sweet spot of life. Let's pray together. Father, thank you, Lord Jesus, for the will of God. Thank you, Lord, for the grace to know the will of God. Lord, it's our desire today to live in the perfect will of God. And I pray that you would help us, you would grace us today, and you would give us the leadership, that you would give us the ability, Lord, to stop doing what we need, to, what we're doing that's not of you, and start doing what you're asking us to do that we're presently not doing. God, we want to do what you want us to do. Lord, we ask you right now in the mighty and strong name of Jesus that, Lord, you would just shower us with the grace sufficient Lord, to do everything that we need to do to get smack dab in the center of what you want us to do. Lord, we love you and we thank you today for that privilege. In Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. Now listen, if you've never surrendered your life to Christ, we're going to be up here and I just encourage you. The Bible says, Jesus said, if anyone wants to come after me, let him deny himself, let him take up his cross. You got to give up your will, give up your right. And then you can follow Jesus. Amen. So we're going to be up here. And I just want to encourage you to come up and get prayer for that. Amen. God bless you. You're dismissed. You have a wonderful day. The Lord be with you as you go.